When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here at William Hill, you'll find pre-game and in-play cricket odds on loads of competitions. From test matches to one-day internationals, T20s and domestic cricket, we've got everything covered. Visit WilliamHill.com. 18 plus. Please gamble responsibly. William Hill. It's who you play with. Season 4 of Middle Please Umpire is sponsored by Step 1. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Middle Please Umpire. I'm Miles Jupp and I tell funny jokes. Ha ha ha. Uh, my name is Mark Wood and uh, I've um, I've lengthened my run up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm as as ever nursing some sort of injury. <laughs> what have you been up to Mark? Um I've been uh, picking blackberries. Um, <laughs> I've been um, watching Jason and the Argonauts. That is a classic. I'm not surprised you you should have that on repeat, Mark. Let's check the mailbag. I actually this is this is actually how I thought you and your for people listening. I thought that Miles and his family when when we did the podcast in Monmouth, Miles was very kindly put me and the producer up at his house. And this is how I thought you all would be together. I thought you would speak in form of theatrical song together. And, and really, yeah. Despite the fact that I've never been in a musical, or no, but I, I just thought that side of you would come out, and, and that you'd be ready for any part to, to to jump into any sort of arena. I think I think if we had more, it's like twenty twenty in one day. As you, you you can go across all formats. That's what I thought. I think if we had more leisure time, we probably would do a lot more sort of singing as a family, but. Basically, we're so busy working on the looms, it's not really, <laughs> it's not really possible. I, do you know what I was really impressed with? The amount of Lego you had in your house. Lego, yeah. Well, it's it's just it's just the greatest toy, isn't it, Lego? Have you ever built a cricket wicket with your Lego? No. And even though green is the most popular colour, is it for the sort of the big flat square pieces? Because that's basically what they remember them flicks pitches. Do you remember them? Like at you know, all the club grounds, everyone would have a flicks pitch. And stuff like that. It was like it's like basically they looked like Lego stuck together, and they made like a hard wicket for you to practice on, so you didn't have to. Oh, I assumed you meant like a little game. 
Because I I, th- I thought you meant something like um, Test Match, which I have. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a version. I mean, it must be from. I got given a new a new version as a present when I left the news quiz, which actually <laughs> was endorsed. It's endorsed by Michael Atherton. I think that's why they got it for me. But I I had one in the eighties that had um, uh, Botham and a friend of the show, uh, the notorious Dig. He's got love it. in um, the 80s, the 80s. It's, I'm glad to see that you're uh, free associating uh, so confidently, Marcus. Uh, uh, do you feel that all of the meds have worn off? Um, <laughs> have you uh, fallen over this week? Um, no, I don't think I have. I did fall over. I fell over in um, in Manchester. I fell over uh, on my way into a pub, uh, which is the, the wrong way around. I'd had, I'd had nothing to drink, but I had a, th- a thing where I missed... Uh, slightly embarrassing really they'd obviously extended the curb but they'd done that thing when they sort of build a new curb fill in the gap with sort of tarmac but left the old curb there but the old curb to me seemed sort of more prominent so I thought I was about a metre and a half away from the curb and then walked bang slap into the new one and went flying landed on my knees my hands I landed I was quite lucky I fell between two pub benches um, but the people I was with were very protective. So they 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 picked me up and they went, "Have a seat. Have a sit down. Have a sit down. Just just sit down. Get yourself ready." Uh, and that that I think made it look like it had been a more spectacular. And did you say, "Tell Mike I love him," or "Tell Athas I love him"? <laughs> I said, "Guys, I'm fine. Really, really, I'm fine. I, honestly, I'm fine. Please." And then, and I don't know why I did this. I turned to the people who I'd fallen over next to and said, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> <laughs> Um, absolutely ludicrous. Anyway, it's probably going to keep me out of action. Um, oh, well, I started All Stars, did my first All Stars session. Absolutely exhausting, uh, but very worthwhile. Some very talented people there. I mean, the hard bit setting up and learning the game. Have you ever done an All Stars? You must have. No, I've done I've done junior cricket coaching, but I'm not sure I've done an All Stars session. How is it different from a normal session? Well, basically, because it's right at sort of entry level, so you get sent these these drills. So these these first ones, you know, this could be for someone that has never sort of played cricket before or whatever. So it's just like familiarising yourself with the with the kit, I suppose. So that I, me and uh, uh, another guy, I know we we were actually in charge of batting, uh, and it was almost like there was a sort of like a slalom course arranged, and it was just about their sort of skills, just being able to. It's about really getting the bat on getting bat on ball I suppose and getting used to that feel I'd forgotten how knackering it was and then you've got to take all the stuff down at the end which is well, did you use uh, reinforced prayers that's a part of the cricket coaching where you just don't say a good shot and you tell them why it was a good shot oh no I need to reinforce do I yes reinforce always reinforce maybe ask questions why it was so good Gosh, so I say to them, that was really good why was it so good yes and then they would say well actually I watched the ball right in my back and you say you've got it in one I'd, I'd sort of panic and say something like, uh, it was reminiscent of a young doodle <laughs> fill in the gap. Oh, you remind you reminded me of Mark Wood facing Mitchell Stark or, or whatever, or you, you reminded me of... Uh... Did he get bored, did he? <laughs> you've, had, you've had lots of very good days, Mark. You mustn't do down your uh, your batting. But I'm not, I'm not alone in thinking that, I happen to know. Do you know what, we've never, what I've never actually asked you? If you could play, say they're making a movie and it's, it's a, of a cricket team, which cricketer or which role would you have to be? Would I have to be? Who would you audition for as? 
Oh, probably some sort of blazer-wearing committee man that's continually sputtering, <laughs> going, no, I'm so sorry. The, cricket is not supposed to change, and I, I, I am sick of hearing the word progress being bandied around in these uh, hallowed chambers and corridors. I, I will not have it. It's, abs- it's disgraceful. It is disgraceful. I'm sorry. No, our players travel to Australia by boat or nothing, uh, and it would be that, it'd be that kind of thing. It's not like I could play a young anything, uh, frankly. If you were um, cast in a remake of of any of any film or television program, Mark, who would you play? Professor Yaffle? <laughs> no, I think I'd go. Oh, uh, you'd, I think you'd be quite a good dog, Tanyan. Uh, D'Artagnan, we're going to save the king. Yes, yes, and yes, yes. I, yes. And, and then I know I'd come. Yeah, I can say it now. Well, I, at, uh, when uh, that, at Christmas there was that really good Around the World in 80 Days that was on uh, with David Tennant in. The only thing that I didn't like about it was the fact they didn't use the theme tune from 80 Days Around the World from when I was a kid. The, uh, hey, now the story must go on because you find a place to go. We must get ready to go. 80 Days Around the World, you find a place to go. You're sitting where the rainbows are. So I kept uh, playing that. I got it off on YouTube and kept playing it till my to my children so they finally learned it and I said you really you just enjoy the program but you must you must have this music in your head at the beginning see I knew you son are in the house so all this oh we don't do that I knew you did it we don't we don't do it when we've got when we've got guests we just uh, we go and get, we get the lego out because <laughs> I remember they because actually it was Rachel's idea I, I said um oh gosh no look, we've got Mark Wood coming to stay so we ought to how should we do things and we're like should we make up a bed and, and Rachel wisely said we should probably get some toys out for him. So that's why. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we should talk about? How did you How did you find the, the live show? Doing this live, I absolutely loved it. I was quite nervous, to be honest, because I suddenly thought we've done, we've only done one when we're in the same room, which was the very first one with the Notorious D.I.G. And then we've not, we've not done any others in the same room anyway. And then then there's the added the sort of pressure of, of an audience. And I think even the audience were nervous. Uh, I think they, they relaxed. You had, you had the home crowd advantage, though. So you had the have... advantage of being the international cricketer, Mark Woods, <laughs> who people were really excited to see. I, I really liked it. I mean, I just liked... It was nice to have a, what was like a proper cricket club event as well. It was That, that, that felt really, really fun. The great nights at your local clubs, though, aren't they? When you have people in and everyone comes down. And I remember some of my favourite... Memories at my cricket club were like that, where everyone would be together and would have a dinner or would have like um, a special night or a live band. There's normally a keen barbecuist, isn't there? You know, to me, that's the bit. I mean, playing cricket's all very well, but sitting in a fold-out chair, drinking beer from a can, and talking about cricket, to me, that's that's what it's really about. I have to say. And and did Monmouth win at the weekend? Because we did on a Friday. Did they win on the Saturday? They had they had an all right showing. I'd have to go back and check the WhatsApp group to get the exact uh, results. But they had four teams out, so they'll have um, they'll have done all right. I shouldn't um, I shouldn't have had a strong start the season. They've lost one, but they've won the rest of their games. So um, strong start. And you you played for them? I played a game last year. I'm I'm not allowed to play this year. I don't think because they've got a Durham professional, a lad from Durham, who's going to be that yeah. a Durham player. So. Doesn't look like that. That I might get the chance this year, but I would. I would seriously love to. I'd, I still love playing for Chris. You've been at Durham just training, I guess. Yes, just I've had the England physios very kindly come up and see me a few times and mm-hmm. um, make sure that you know I'm on track and things. And like a lot of injuries, it's never playing sailing on an upward curve bike. You have some days where it feels a little bit ropey, and then other days where it feels great. But 
as long as you can get over that little speed bump and you can start to feel free and stuff, it'll it'll come back quick. So um, I'm just trying. I'm in that sort of in between phase at the minute where I'm building my bowling back up. I'm probably off half a run up now, so hopefully it keeps going in that in that direction. What about things like fielding? If you're just working on your bowling and stuff like that, do you have to do a lot of fielding drills before you suddenly go back out there again? If you sudden, if you when when you finally play a T20 game, yeah, well, I have to because you've got to be up to speed. It's no good as getting me bowling up the scratch, but then I can't throw the ball in. So, but when you're getting back to fitness and you're happy with the rest of your, how the rest of you is doing or feeling. I mean, they keep England are particularly trying to work hard on my batting to, to improve that. So um might be a good chance to try that now. Well, I went I went the other day to the indoor centre and my wife, my son and my father-in-law all came with us. And my father-in-law fed me on the ball machine. We obviously had pulled the net out. And my son was was watching from the um the net next door, like an open centre. So we'd pulled the end net out and he was watching from the, the centre and he went and grabbed his little plastic bat. And was hitting the ball around, so it was nice to nice to see that. Now, uh, shall we have a look at our mailbag? Now that we've described how injured you are and how injured I am, uh, I seem to be rarely. I'm more injured than you at the moment. Right? Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> this is uh, this is. I don't know if the producer or the people sending the letters give them titles. It, it means that it's, um, our, our first letter is uh, from Matthew Mason, and it's under the title "First Game Embarrassment." First game embarrassment. By Matthew Mason. Uh, Hi, chaps. After hearing one of your listeners talking about playing with complete novices, I thought I'd tell you about my first club cricket experience. I hadn't played since school, but fancied the idea of a genteel game of cricket on a Saturday afternoon, so I got a game playing for Ascombe Bryan CC near York. I'd never played a proper club game before, so I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I soon found myself in action. Uh, However, as batting first, we stumbled from 14 for 1 to 20 for 6. And it was my turn. Coming in at eight might seem to be batting quite high for someone who's never held a bat before, but in true village style, we were three men short and needs must. I'd borrowed pads and a bat from a teammate, but as I was beginning to walk to the middle, someone thrust a thigh pad towards me. Thinking this must be an essential piece of equipment, I accepted it. Now, I hadn't seen this piece of kit before and was more than a little bit bemused by the long strap and wasn't completely sure what to do with it. Anyway, I tried to put it on as best as I could above my whites as I walked to take guard, whatever that was. Kelfield's wicketkeeper could clearly see he was dealing with a true professional here and looking at the thigh pad strap tangled around the top of my leg told me it's supposed to go around your waist, not your bollocks. Um, <laughs> amid a few sniggers, he very kindly adjusted it for me before I had a conflag with my batting partner. Uh, it's turning quite a bit, so make sure you get a good step in towards where it pitches, Michael told me. Sage words of advice for a novice, I'm sure you'll agree. I got ready to face my first ball. Get a good step in, get a good step in, I repeated in my mind. And sure enough, I did. However, as the ball span past my outside edge into the wicketkeeper's gloves, I really I realised a key detail. He didn't mean my back foot. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing me a giant step outside my crease and in more of a tangle than my thigh pad strap, the wicketkeeper almost apologetically took the bales off to stump me. Being sporting, their captain stepped in. Uh, have another go, lad. If we don't appeal, you're not out. It was very gracious, but my embarrassment only deepened when focus on getting a big step in. I somehow committed the same error. There was no reprieve this time, but on the bright side, we didn't have to feel for very long. <laughs> we all got to go home early. Uh, that does sound humiliating, but I hope, Matthew, that you're... Um well, you've been able to process uh, the shame, and I hope it hasn't put you off playing. Well, Matthew, Matthew, if it makes you feel any better, we had a guy called Johnny Killeen, who was Neil Killeen's son, and uh, Neil Killeen, who played for Durham, um, current bowling coach. His son was on the academy with us, and all winter he had done sessions week by week where he didn't know whether he wanted to bat right-handed or left-handed. That's how 
much he, he thought of his batting. Um, he's a fast bowler. We came into a tight game against Hetton Lions, I believe, at the time. And Johnny had come out of bat as our number 11. And we thought there was absolutely no hope of winning this game. Now, the guy that doesn't know whether to bat right hand or left hand, he had both sets of pads, right and left handed pads, didn't know what he, which end of the bat to hold. And he stepped forward <laughs> as a right handed player with his right foot and hit a six straight down the ground <laughs> to win the game. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's glorious. Um, uh, this next letter is from Anthony Smith, and it's on the subject of cricketers in petrol stations. Hello, Giles Mupp and Wark Mud. Uh, long-time listener, first-time messenger here. Uh, reference uh, your want for meeting cricketers in petrol stations. It was just the other week that my father bumped into the hero of Headingley, Benjamin Stokes, at Easington Services on the A19. My dad is someone that will talk to anyone about anything, and he caught the England, Durham and Northern Supercharger all-rounder while paying for his vending machine Costa Coffee. Uh, Instead of asking him about his appointment to the England captaincy or even his playing career, he decided to chat about the merits of current Glamorgan cricketer James Wheel, who played at our club Stokesley CC. Uh, Keep up the good work and look forward to more. Well, I'm sure that uh, the captain of the England cricket team is absolutely across everyone's form in the uh, county championship right now. It doesn't seem unreasonable. I think he'd have been fine to talk about. I think he'd have been really happy. Oh man, alive! <laughs> Sorry, that has that has left me quite weak. Uh, 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 by all means, actually, as an additional, I can give you, tell you this now. I'll tell you the others at the end. As an additional letter subject for for the mailbag, hard working cricket puns. Uh, I'd be very delightful. <laughs> Laboured cricket puns. Uh, we would love to hear from you on the subject. Um, now, this is this is correspondence from possibly my favourite of the cricket playing nations that isn't England. Mark, can you guess which one that is? Um, because you covered them for BBC BBC Cricket Scotland. It, it's actually New Zealand correspondence. Uh, hello, Miles and Mark. Um, sending this email from New Zealand to say thanks for the great entertainment. Love how you speak so glowingly of New Zealand. It brings a smile to my face each time. I think that's me he's talking about, Mark. He must be the driver of the shark bus, is he? <laughs> shark bus! Um, <laughs> I I wanted to offer my contribution to cricketers spotted at a petrol station, or in my case, at an ATM opposite a McDonald's. Many moons ago, on a night out, I bumped into a mate in my hometown of Taupo after a provincial match between Midlands and Northland. He was a younger brother of an all-black and was showing Hey Miss Marshall, or was it James, around the local drinking establishments. He introduced us and we had a cordial conversation. Perhaps more notably, later that night I bumped into them again. However, by this stage I was unfortunately drunk off my tits and trying to recover my cash card from an ATM after it had been swallowed, having thrice butchered my pin number. The means by which I was trying to recover it, it was by banging said ATM repeatedly with my shoe. (laughs) It didn't work. And I can't quite recall whether the very pleasant Mr Marshall laughed or looked at me disapprovingly, but hey-ho, it is what it is. Uh, Also on Drunken Nights Out, I've had a lengthy conversation with former New Zealand cricket commentator Brian Waddle and invited former All Blacks player and selector Earl Curtin around for breakfast. (laughs) Thinking back, it was an odd request and no wonder he didn't turn up. (laughs) This reminds me, somewhat ludicrously of a time, many years, I think it was when my book Fib and the Heat came out, I had a sort of summer going to various literary festivals, and one of the people that kept I kept bumping into, because he had a book out the same year, was John McCarthy, who's now a friend of mine, but at the time I hadn't, I hadn't really met him before, he's a um, fascinating man actually, very nice man, and I was with my friend Dougie Anderson, and we got very drunk, I was chatting to John McCarthy, and I said, do you know what John, you and your family absolutely must come round from a bar- for a barbecue sometime soon, and he went, oh that sounds very nice, he went off to the loo, and I turned to Dougie and went, Dougie, I don't have a barbecue. <laughs> 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 Absolute panic, I was, I was very, you know, 
I was very out of my depth, obviously. Um, now, here we go. This is a WWE update from Clive. Uh, dear MPU team, thank you for a brilliant podcast that brings joy and laughter with each episode. Uh, our pleasure. Thank you, Clive. Uh, Father to last week's episode and Woody's suggestion his wrestling name would be Wonderwood, surely it would actually be Derek Wonderwood. That, that's now there. There is a cricket pun. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah. That that blows mine out of the water. Derek Wonderwood. Uh, very good. I, I tried to think of a signature wrestling move. Maybe he's deadly with his left arm on a drying canvas that's been left uncovered and has sawdust all over it. Uh, okay, cricketers as WWE wrestlers. That could be a new category uh, for male. Do keep the mail coming in. Thank you for our letters uh, this week, Matthew, uh, Clive, and Anthony, and Chris. I mean, thanks everyone for heaven's sake. Hi, it's David Gower here. Uh, yes, it's me. Look, it's it's slightly embarrassing, but look, Mark and Miles, they've, they've forgotten the email address again. So look, if you've got any cricketing tales, stories, whatever it might be you want to send to them, please email them at middleplease at hotmail.com. Um, and if that's too much, well, try Twitter or Instagram. Now we've got a, a guest uh, on uh, this uh, this episode of the podcast. We always have a guest, don't we, Mark? We do, yes. Yeah. Who do you think? Who do you think's um, been uh, not including today? Who do you think's been your favourite ever guest on uh, Middle Please Umpire? I mean, there's been so many good ones. I mean, if I had to pick one of me favourites, I think I quite like the Jimmy Adams one we did. Notorious Dig, you can't look past him. I mean, there's been loads. Taufel was I thought Simon Taufel was really good. Sam Mendes. I mean, we've had a few good ones, haven't we? Well, I'm afraid the correct answer was Michael Atherton. Uh, now it is time <laughs> for uh, this week's uh, guest. Uh, I'm going to give you a few clues as to who he is, Mark. Yeah. Okay. Like you, he has played in a World Cup final. Any guesses so far? Um, Gordon Greenwich. No, it's not Gordon Greenwich. Uh, but yeah, right sport. Um, <laughs> he is. Uh, he's six foot five. Oh. Um, Big Bird. Uh, no, always wore a light blue helmet, even when on England duty. Oh, um, Angus Fraser. <laughs> no, it's Derek Pringle. You. <laughs> 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 Middle Please Umpire is proud to be sponsored by Step One Underwear, the UK's choice for comfortable, breathable and no-chafe boxers. Step One believes great achievements start with getting the basics right. So delivering maximum comfort while you're compiling your century or coming in for your third spell of the day is all important. Step One's stylish boxers are worn by elite cricketers and sports people the world over. But why do they wear them? Well, they completely eliminate chafing with their ultra-glide panels, which prevent your thighs from rubbing together. So get rid of the baby powders, lotions, or whatever other remedy you use. They have got your thighs covered. Not only that, they're ethically made, sourced from sustainably grown organic bamboo, making them super soft, antibacterial, and breathable, keeping your, and I can't believe I'm saying this, meat and two veg dry all day, whether you're on the pitch or going about your other everyday shenanigans. It's not just gentlemen who get to enjoy the comfort of Step 1, they have a women's boxer range as well. Step 1 are so confident that you'll love them that there's a 30-day money-back guarantee on your first purchase. If you don't like your first pair, for whatever reason, they will give you a full refund and you get to keep the pants. So you can try them out completely risk-free. 
Best of all, for a limited time, listeners of Middle Please Umpire, that's you, can get a whopping 30% off the entire range. Just head to step1.life and enter the code MP30 at checkout. See what the fuss is all about and make Step 1 an essential part of your daily chafe and sweat-free living. Step 1. Get some. William Hill's Safer Gambling Tools helps you stay in control. You can set deposit limits, session reminders and take timeouts whenever you need them. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill is who you play with. Well, we're joined now by our guest uh, this episode. It's none other than Essex and England's, uh, and indeed the world of uh, the world of journalism's, uh, Derek Pringle. Hello, Derek. Hello, Miles. Hello, Woody. Hello, Derek. Good to have you on. Yeah, cheers. Good to be here. There's, uh, I was thinking there's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, of things to talk about, I suppose, with you, Derek. Obviously, you could talk about your decade as a England player or, or uh, you know, the part you played in that uh, sort of multi ridiculously successful Essex side and indeed all your journalism but I suppose really when you talk about cricket what is it that you want to be talking about? When I talk about cricket I think the thing that interests me most is test cricket and 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 long-form cricket I mean I, I just just find the white ball game there's some really thrilling moments in it but uh, I just find it all forgettable I try and remember where was that what, what game was that you know etc but tests tests in uh, red ball cricket linger longer as a player as well as a as a journalist absolutely yeah i think uh, actually in the early part of my career i i, I enjoyed obviously one day cricket and i felt probably I'd, that would be my way to playing international cricket for england but uh, they picked me in the test side when i was still at university and my and it sort of rushed into it really so i thought one day cricket would be the way in but uh, it proved that test cricket was instead i was just looking at that scorecard of your first test match uh today and I've, I, the idea of you being still at university and being picked is in itself a sort, of, a sort of terrifying thought in terms of pressure you then you come into bat one, one place in the batting order below Derek Rang- Randall I mean how uh, how the much pressure Derek's. do you feel under yeah yeah yes the two two Derek's doomed to failure <laughs> <laughs> but I mean were you feeling the, the the pressure at the time or did you have the sort of you know the, the arrogance of youth to mean that it was it was actually all all right. No, I, I was definitely feeling pressure, but but I, I suppose I sort of rationalised with myself that I'd played for the MCC a couple of weeks earlier against India at Lords, and and I think that's really what got me picked. Everyone thought it was my form at Cambridge that that year, which was pretty good. Um, but I think it was that game because I got I got four wickets and bowled pretty well, and I think that's what got me picked. So I thought, well, if I can do it in that game, why can't I do it in a Test match? So. And funnily enough, I got a wicket in my, in my first over. So, well, it all started well, but I didn't do very well with the bat. I thought it was meant to be here. I mean, it, in those days, if you were playing, say, uh, you know, Mark, you'll have, you'll have played against sort of Oxford and Cambridge in, in more recent times. But in, the, in those days, Derek, play, playing for Cambridge, I mean, would you have had a right to feel close to, to playing for... You'd obviously already played for Essex, but would you have felt you had a right to be close to the England Test side, really? Did that, did that seem an enormous leap or... or or in terms of standard, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it seemed pretty un, un, unlikely, um, and and of course, the irony is, I think that had Keith Fletcher, my captain at Essex, remained England captain instead of being sacked after the winter tour, and then Bob Willis being installed, I would never have been with him hundred miles of that England team. So it just shows you because you know he he knew his onions, Fletcher, and he, he knew what <laughs> I could do, and it, it was probably you know good enough to get for England. But I think they wanted to uh, shake things up a little bit, and and Willis. Um, at that stage was a fan and uh, you know I, th- I think things went well for me that season and 
Peter May, Bob Willis, they thought, well, why not? Um, but it did surprise me, there's no doubt. What did, what did you think of Bob Willis? The, firstly, the bloke, and then, because obviously on Punditry, he plays this role. We actually got a chance to meet Bob as bowlers, and he, he sat us all down. I couldn't believe his passion for English cricket and how much he, he like backed us. But then in the, in the Punditry side, he played this character that was sort of, I'll have you in the docks and all that kind of stuff. But it just didn't seem like him at all when you when you met him in person. No, well, he was he was, he was a great guy and and a, and a very fine fast bowler. Um, obviously, what happens? He became captain, and then the pressures of that job take their toll, and it, you know you just change a little bit. Uh, and in the end, I think he became he became a bit more miserable, which which wasn't him to start with, certainly. Um, and then I guess you know your your relationship with them changes a bit once once they're captain. It has to. So. Yeah, yeah, great hair as well, didn't he? He certainly did in the early days. Yeah, he. Do you know what? He came to see a, a play I was in um, a few years ago. It's just a small theatre, the Park Theatre in Finsbury Park, and the right the writer had got very excited. He sort of came into my dressing room and pretty much took the door off the hinges. He was very laid back a lot of the time, going, oh, apparently David Tennant's in tonight, or apparently, you know, whoever it is. And then one night he took the door off the hinge about five minutes for us to go on stage. He goes, Bob Willis is out there. And that's <laughs> all, all I could think about during the thing. It was just a one-man play, so I, you know, you had a lot of time on stage and your thoughts going everywhere. But his, his silhouette, I was surprised by how recognisable it was <laughs> in the total darkness. I was like, that's where Bob Willis is sitting. I can see it. I'm the only person on the podcast today that hasn't played in a in a world cup final so don't don't i feel a bit of a charlie uh i've i've got such vivid recollections of you playing in that in the whole of that tournament actually you bought the last over of their innings for just two just two runs off it and they'd been on an absolute blitz hadn't they i mean it didn't go for many it didn't go for many but uh, there were a few i think leg side wise in it because obviously i was trying to cram them for room and it was just missing the pad and the umpire's very keen to wide those in those days well still are um yeah, I, I, I suppose in those days, um, slower ball was something relatively novel. And uh, I used to bowl quite a few of them. And uh, I think they had a swish at a few slow balls and missed them. So that, that helped obviously keep the runs down. Because in the modern day, obviously, the, it's so much white ball cricket now. Do you, do you feel, although your obsession, personal obsession is red ball, that you that, that white, you would have been at home in the white ball game of today? Even if, even if in your heart of hearts you thought, I don't like this as much as the other, do you not think that your skill set would have been very well suited to it? Well, that World Cup you just mentioned, I mean, those white balls, for me, swung all over the place. So I, I was very keen. And uh, once you get, I think, I always say, if you get the ball moving sideways, they're not going to smack it out of the park all the time. Nobody can do that. Um, I don't care how good you are. But uh, the white balls today, and I feel for Woody and, and fellow bowlers, they don't seem to do anything. And, and the pitchers are obviously prepared to, to suit batsmen completely. So it's, it's you're right, Derek, you're absolutely right. They bring the boundaries in, the bats are bigger. I mean, it's <laughs> they do, yeah. really. Somebody goes to bowlers. I mean, everyone says cricket should be a balance between bat and ball. In white ball cricket, I don't sense that. <laughs> and um, I'm hopping about a bit, but this your your passion for red ball cricket. Then at this at this particular moment in time, I should explain we're we're now at the point where England have got a new test coach. Uh, obviously, the managing director was announced uh, a week or so ago, but we feel like we're at a sort of crossroads. What what do you feel ne- it needs to happen, and what do you feel will happen to the red ball game in 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 Britain uh, in the, in the next say twenty four months? Well, I think the modern world is geared up to enjoying success. So if England can become extremely successful again, I think uh, that'll give it a, a good boost. Um, 
it's an inter- there's a couple of interesting appointments. I think um, um, what I've seen of, of Brendan McCullum and what I know of him, um, and that has certainly come from um, being a journalist. Uh, I never bowled at him, thankfully. Um, is that he's a very dynamic player, but a very laid-back personality off the field. I mean, some of his press conferences when he was New Zealand captain, he you know, had all this kind of folksy wisdom. So it's going to be interesting, Woody. Are you you're listening to a few of his talks? Let's see how you get on. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, like, I'm actually really excited. Um, very excited. Like you say, he's got this like laid-back, um, bigger picture perspective on life kind of thing. Or it seems that way, but um, plays hard on the field. So I think it'll be. It'll be interesting that first team talk. I'm not sure which way, if it, if it's the laid back one or if it's the, the dynamic hard playing cricketer that'll come out first. See, what's interesting, Woody, what would you look to, to get out of a coach? Because, you know, when I played, we didn't have a coach at Essex. And then for England, uh, Mickey Stewart was the coach. And he, you know, he didn't really interfere very much. He'd throw you a few balls and what have you, maybe have a quick chat if you thought you were doing something wrong. And that was it. What do you look to get out of a coach, an international okay. coach? Yeah, I think you know, the man management side of things is really important. Good communication, honesty, um, a sense of probably trust, I would say, as well. Um, can you have that? If he's a selector, can you have that? Um, trust? I th- yeah, it's, it's it's a tough one, but I feel like if if you have a certain amount of trust and respect and and a good communication with the coach, it makes it a lot easier when those decisions don't go your way or there's no mixed match. Or When I first saw his name mentioned, I, I obviously didn't read the, the piece very <laughs> properly because I thought, well, that'd be, that'd be for the white ball team. But then they said, oh, no, it's a test team. And I thought, well, actually, that, that could be an interesting experiment. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> Instinctively, that would have been my response. But maybe uh, Brendan McCullum, I don't know if this has been said about Brendan McCullum before, he has a touch of the Derek Pringles about him and his, his real passion <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> His, his, real, his real passion is the, is the Red Bull game. Don't, don't tell him that. <laughs> I think him and Stokesy, him and Stokesy together looks great on paper, doesn't it? Like when you see McCullum and Stokes, head coach, captain, that anybody, any opposition team would look at that and think um, they'll they'll give a good test these lads. So hopefully they can bring the best out of everyone else. Well, uh, as a bowler yourself, Mark, I'm sure you don't want to play as many shots as those two probably want people to play because you need a bit of a break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. a break when you've done a bit of hard yak. You need them to occupy the crease for a day and a half. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say you were in a team more as a, as a bowler than a batter, Derek? I know, I know you're, you know, you're in the all-rounder bracket, but... But bowling, I think we we could po- probably both agree is your strongest suit. What what is it like those moments where you, so like Headingley ninety one, where you are you know where that extraordinary Gooch century, you come out to bat with England you know six wickets down for not many. What is the thing that clicks in your mind that enables you to do a job like the job that you did that day? You put on what ninety eight the two of you. That's right, yeah. Against a terrifying, a terrifying attack. <laughs> Ambrose Walsh. Listen to this, Woody. Ambrose Walsh, Patterson, and Marshall. That is who yeah, Derek Pringle's spending out. Read, I went further up the like side here on camera. Everybody yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just started creeping like side of the box. <laughs> We were fortunate. It was a very cold period, uh, uh, not just a cold day, a cold few days there, and the pitch was slow. That, that, that was in our favour. Um, but just to, just to rewind slightly, um, I, when I started sort of thinking about professional cricket, I, I wanted to be you know a batting all rounder, to be honest, because you know at school and university, I, I batted up the order. Um, 
and, and ethics gave me a chance. I changed about six of them. Um, and, and in fact, as you say, I better just blow Derek Rand on my debut. That's not, not, not at all bad, is it? I think people got, they thought I could bat a bit, but, um, you know, things, things get to you and, and the bowling takes over a little bit and I, I drifted down the order a little bit. But um, no, I felt I could uh, handle myself with a bat. And I just thought, you know, Gooch is playing so well, just, just have to stick in. It. it doesn't matter how many I score, as long as, you know, we, we're two at the crease, he can score the runs, et cetera, et cetera. And, and on this pitch, it just, you know, nibbled around a bit. I think uh, I thought we felt if we got 200 odd ahead, we, could, we had a good chance. But also, if you, I mean, if you, you're six foot five, aren't you? is that right? Six five? Something like six five, yeah. So if you, if you get a, what they call a good stride in, I mean, that's... How far down the pitch is that going? Absolute miles. I wasn't getting a good stride in against those guys. <laughs> oh, it's the clap miles. So if I was facing that sort of attack, I'd try and play them all late, right under my nose, and I think probably probably extremely probably extremely late. Well, that's the way to play it. Head- that's the way to play it headingly in those days against whoever, because it did, as I say, did nibble around a bit, especially if it was cloudy. Um, and yeah, play it late and, and don't go for the big drive. And then at the end of a game like that, though, that you you know. There's been that sort of backs against the wall moment for England for England to win that game, take a lead in the series, and you to get to the end of the game knowing that you've played, you know, maybe not the headline role which goes to Gooch, but you've that you've played an absolutely vital a vital role. Surely that's that's just a glorious feeling. Well, yeah, it's a satisfactory feeling. You feel very satisfied. But um, what 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 impressed me more is getting Viv Richards out in the first innings actually because. Uh, I bowled a Jaffer at him and he nicked it and Landon Lamb dropped it. And I thought, oh, God, we're not going to get another chance. <laughs> <laughs> and then the very next morning, that was just before they had a play on day one, and the very next morning, it, it bounced again just outside of stomach and he nicked it again. And this time, Lemmy clung on. So I thought, oh, well, not too much damage done. So I was, whenever you got him out, that, that was that sort of meant more in a way because he's he, a sens- sensational batsman. To the point where, I mean, we. Would he be one of the people that when you'd be at the top of your mark, you'd actually be slightly f- frightened, really, as a bowler? I mean, normally you're in a position to sort of get the get the wood over someone. But in that in that situation, there must have been some people in that era, I mean, some astonishing flair players as well, hitting the ball unusually hard for the time. Well, they were very aggressive bats from the West Indies. Had, um, I mean, people forget. I mean, everyone's, you know, bigs up the ashes. But in that era, they were the team to beat because they were easily the best team in the world and uh, reigned supreme for 15 years. Um but I think early in my career, yes, you you, <laughs> you feel a bit nervous when you're you're about to bowl to Viv Richards. But you know, I was, <laughs> in 1991, I was getting on a bit then. I thought, well, you know, <laughs> no point <laughs> getting nervous. It's just a waste waste of energy. <laughs> how many uh, how many more wickets would you have had uh, with DRS? I reckon a few, Woody. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have certainly had more in the World Cup final. Dickie Bird was a hard man to please. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's interesting because. Um, you know, I, I played the three Ashes Test in Australia, and um, you know, Mark, Mark just bowled absolutely brilliant in the last Ashes uh, series, and you know, deserved many more wickets. And you, you know, <clears throat> for the way you bowled, Mark, I thought it was great. Um, you really shoved it up the Aussies, and I always love to see that. But <laughs> on the t- on the tour I was on, if you didn't get the batsman on the back foot, they'd never give you an LBW. And of course, at my pace, I didn't force one on the back foot. <laughs> 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 They'd never give you an the, In in your book, which I really I found, I remember speaking to you about it. I, I, the way it's you know how accessible it makes the game and the dressing room feel to the uh, to the um, non-playing fan, shall I call myself? But there, there's in terms of like the difference between the eras in which Mark is playing and you 
that in which you played. The, the sort of standout bit for me is you all, I think, is it Boxing Day, walking out <laughs> walking out on the MCG, all absolutely hanging. Uh, that, that, to me, that's, that's, that's a sort of difference between the generations. <laughs> that seems absolutely I astonishing to me. I we did. <laughs> well, we won, actually. <laughs> so <there you> are. <laughs> Some, somehow. But I think it would be the same for both teams. Both, both teams would have had a good Christmas party. No doubt about it. I was doing a, a lunch thing in uh, it, at Christmas, and uh, Mike Gatting came over. It was a taverner's lunch. Mike Gatting came over to chat to me and another uh, performer, Tim Key, and we were talking about the difference in eras. And I was saying, "Oh, that stuff in Derek Pringle's book about those days." And he was going, "Well, those parties were incredible." Uh, and <laughs> Tim said to Mike Gatting, "Who was it that always used to dress as a?" <laughs> he said, "Who was it that always used to dress up as a woman at those parties?" And Mike Gatting, without dropping a beat, said, Phil the Freighters, Diana Ross, gorgeous. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it was one of the most... We sort of let it pass. It was one of the most extraordinary bits of conversation I'd, I'd ever had. But there seemed to be no side to it. He seemed to be very, it seemed to be a very sincere and heartfelt comment. Well, Chris Tarrow, in the, in, the, in the year I was there, 82 three, Chris Tarrow dressed as Ina Sharples, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Because those parties, there was that tour, wasn't there? Again, I think it was Atherton, but the England players and the press lot sort of fell out slightly, and they didn't they didn't accept the invitation. Well, the press, the press always used to get an invite to the, the pre-dinner drinks, um, and, and in those days the relations were pretty good, um, and that all stopped, yeah, with Atherton's tour to when he was captain uh, to Zimbabwe when things weren't going to plan, <laughs> <laughs> and they decided we're not having those those tosses in here <laughs> and they dropped <laughs> drops us off the itinerary and that's because had you already got your costume ready was it a very was it a bit of disappointment i don't think people did it then because you can't you know downtown harare hasn't got many kind of you know theater wardrobes you can go and get the costume it's not you yourself and fraser going as the supremes or what have you uh, fraser was probably mm. on the edge of the england team then you know cursing hadn't been picked he wasn't <laughs> in the press gallery by then <laughs> actually on the uh, on the subject of angus fraser have you ever to your knowledge uh, derek been mistaken <laughs> you're famous on this podcast derek have, have you ever been to your to your knowledge or recollection been mistaken for angus fraser often and he for me because we we had somebody somebody <laughs> sent in a letter saying describing me they were how they uh, <laughs> And they were a big fan of, 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 of Gus Fraser and they'd seen him on a, sort of a, one of the outgrounds and they chased him across the pitch. They were absolutely desperate to meet him. By the time they caught up with him, he was sitting in the marquee behind his laptop and they said, hi, all I want, Angus, is to, all I want is to get your autograph. And the man sitting behind the laptop said, I'm Derek Pringle, you is that? <laughs> I, perhaps, I perhaps would have used the c word. Yeah. <laughs> no, it happens all the time, and it happened to him as well. You know, he, he was being mistaken for me, and he goes, "I don't wear glasses," you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the two of you, you know, hi. I so I went in. Um, yeah, 2006, I did that thing where I, I went to India pretending to be the BBC Scotland cricket correspondent, and I the first. I got into the press box to try and grab a place, and I think the first two people I encountered in there, from my recollection, were you and uh, Gus Fraser, who, of course, not only was I intimidated by the fact that you're former international players and, and real journalists, but the fact that your your combined height was terrifying. And I remember spending... I mean, I was away for a month with 
you was lot. that Nagpur? That was at Nagpur, the first one. That was. Yeah. Uh, he does remember yeah. your mail, see? He remembers Cooks. the he remembers the ground. Cook, Cook Panasar, Cooks, and, Black, and Blackwell, Cooks, and Panasar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I remember being absolutely terrified. And uh, Jop. And <laughs> it was Jop's, Jop's debut in the press box. Yeah. Uh, but I just remember being so, in, and I hadn't expected it, I guess, but I was just so intimidated by the sort of former former players. And those, of course, all of those of you that were sort of bowlers and whatever had this sort of slightly intimidating, to me, a slightly sort of intimidating aura. And did I remember Fraser going, it sounds to me like you're on a bit of a jolly. And I was going, no, oh, no, I'm working very hard. <laughs> <laughs> of your era then, who were the bowlers that you found yourself sort of Envying, obviously, the you know there's batsmen you don't want to be sending the ball down to, but when you like looked around the, you know the national from international players, but also like when you you know when you were part of that Essex side, you know people like Lever obviously are absolutely extraordinary, but you know around playing around the county championship and you'd played a lot of games in those days. Who were the people that you would sort of watch on, thinking, God, imagine being able to bowl like that. Well, J.K. Lever was a fantastic bowler, but he was just a left arm and, and, and had a, such a long run that I, I think I'd have played two games and had to retire. <laughs> um, you know, if we didn't have a very creative scorer, we'd have been shelling out for overrate fines, you know, throughout our careers. But uh, we had a good good scorer who managed to somehow get it get it all back. Our slow overrate, but uh, J.K. had an enormous run, but a brilliant bowler and, and a great guy. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I used to look at Joel Garner and Marvel, but he, he's, I couldn't be like him because he was six foot eight. I was only six foot five. And, and he was yeah. just, you know, <laughs> only six foot five. How does that he, feel, little Mark Wood? He, yeah, he, he, he was an incredible bowler because so accurate and, and decent licks, you know, 86 miles an hour, 87 miles an hour with, with a toe crushing Yorker that he just never seemed to miss. You know, he just hit that block hole all the time. Um, Malcolm Marshall was a fantastic athlete. I mean, probably the greatest overseas player to play in the in the game in England because you know I never he never took a day off. He steamed in every time he played for Hampshire, which not all the other overseas players ever did. The overseas bowlers ever did, but uh, Marshall always tried hundred percent. So I was listening to you talking on another podcast, and you were talking about how just the, I suppose his level of skill, his ability to go so fast at the beginning of the spell, but also the fact that he really you know made such good use of the old ball as well and had almost. You know, it was two different types of bowlers, really. The, the, the out-and-out pace bowler at the top of the, you know, with a new ball and uh, someone that just had excellent well, early, early swing. Well, early was he was always quick. I mean, you know, you know, like Marcus, they don't have a, you know, a, a, it's, it's, it's six gears or nothing. Um, but then, obviously, as he got older, he, he just became a more skillful bowler. I don't, I don't know whether he deliberately cut his pace a little bit, only a little bit, but uh, he, he didn't quite bowl at the, quite the lick he did when, early on in his career. Same with Ambrose, actually. When Ambrose, I played Ambrose his first year in Test cricket in '88, and he was rapido. But you know, he then played county, the, the county grind, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and you know, suddenly it's, it's, it's a yard, a little bit, probably a yard slower. I suppose. Do you think? Do you think Wantage Road's not the most inspiring? Uh, of the sort of coliseums in which he uh, fired his trade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not a bad ground now, though. I mean, uh, it's, it's along with Chelsea, it's my closest county ground. So I've, I've, I go and watch a bit of cricket there. I saw Yorkshire there, as I say. Um, but uh, unfortunately, my old ground, my old home ground at Chelsea is very tatty at the moment. It needs to be spruced up a bit. Which players have you been wowed at being a journalist? So never mind playing. Like after getting a different view of things, which which players have you been wowed at? Since you've been a cricket journalist, right throughout. Um, well, I mean, you know, Ben Stokes, 
is mm. fantastic player to watch. Uh, um, Brian Lara, and he, and he mm. played one game against Lara in the, in the NA2 World Cup. So I was leaving the game when he was just starting. So I've watched him as a journalist. Um, sensational. And, and you know, Shane Warne, obviously, yeah, people like that. They're, you know, some of the greats of the game, really. Very, very, very fortunate to be a journalist uh, when, I, when I was. I bet he still tries to work people out. I bet he thinks, if I was born with him, this is what I would do, this is his technique, he'll definitely still think like that. Definitely. Absolutely right, yeah. I mean, if you see a batsman do certain things, you think, yes, well, I'd, I'd try and do that, maybe, yeah, whatever. I mean... How how would you how would you bowl to Mark Wood, for instance? <laughs> oh God, full and straight. Thanks very much. I put a couple out on a slog. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he knows me well. Yeah, six, six slips, two mid wickets. Uh, <laughs> Woody's a good striker of the ball. I tell you, he, he should take his batting a bit more seriously. I think he could, uh, he could, you could add to that single test fifty you got, Woody. Yeah, Collie keeps saying the same thing, really. He keeps getting me trying, trying to work me harder on my button and try and play a bit more correctly. So keep keep trying. Yeah, why not? Well, those those uh, that brace of sixes that you hit in the ashes, I think they'll. they'll... That's the problem. I've gone from like first and second gear to eighth gear, and I can't get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, but then that's, that's it. I just can't stop playing shots. I need to like rein it in a bit. You need to go back and watch footage uh, of. Of Derek Pringle at Headingley uh, against the West Indies. That's need. It's that's that's more what you can't keep watching yourself. So. Does, does he have trouble sleeping, Woody? Then <laughs> <laughs> that sort of like towards the end of your play, ninety two. Then say there's that that Pakistan side that you you skittle in the early stages of the World Cup. They then win the World Cup final, which turned on some might say the the LBW that um, he's let it go, Miles. He's let it go. He's let it go. I, did, I, I should. You're right. I should. I should learn from this. There were, um, there were two. There were two in one over. They were both dead. Actually. Absolutely. <laughs> so in DRS, that would have been a very different result. Well, I, I don't know because Imran top scored. I mean, Java would have been out cheaply, and they'd have been under enormous pressure because they'd have been th- three down for about twenty. Um, but you know, Imran still got runs. I think in the end, they bowled. They bowled really well. They'd have, they've got they had a good bowling attack. So. Uh, Better put us under pressure, whatever. People like Wazim and Wacker coming in. Did that did that feel like a like the game changing? Well, Wazim, I played against him in 1984, so that's eight years before that. Sorry, 85, 85. That was when he first appeared on the scene, and again, he was extremely quick. Probably didn't have quite the skills he had later on, but I mean, you know, you talk about that 92 summer. Um, uh, you know, just talking about myself, fancying myself a little bit with the bat. I scored in binary that series. Zeros and ones, because <laughs> because because if you didn't bat in the top three, and they got the ball reverse swimming, you had no chance because those two guys bowling high licks with the ball moving late in the air. I mean, tr- you know, routinely that summer we'd be 180 for three, all out 220. Yeah, that's how it went. And the f- and the photographs of everyone looking getting out looked the same. It was always just you know. Well, at the Oval, where's he Mac? Wesley Macker got me out twice uh, with reverse swings, one from around the wicket, one from over the wicket. And uh, I remember going off just in time to see the first one, which was over the wicket, and thinking, how did he play that? Because it just looked like a gimme leg stump half volley, which he clipped through mid-wicket, but it took my off pole out. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I got off, and uh, when Atherton obviously had the luxury of facing the new ball, which didn't do anything. 
it went it went straight but quick. Obviously, they were still fine bowlers, but it didn't swing like it was then. And he he scored seventy, and he said, "Oh, you just missed a half volley." And I said, "You're joking." Anyway, he, he was adamant that that was the case. I just missed a half volley. But then Wazin wrote a book, and he in the book he referred to those two dismissals, saying they were two of the best balls he ever bowled. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow touche well he chose his moment many years later <laughs> I, I, I think of those successive deliveries in the in the World Cup final when you got like Lamb and Lewis uh, was it, were they the two in, a, two, in a, two in succession they looked absolutely unplayable I, th- I think it's, I think as well his action must have been hard because not just what he did the ball itself was obviously amazing like how he'd work but he, the way he like skips through the crease his arm would be over before you even know it like it looks like he's actually would be difficult to pick up. Yeah, he had a very fast arm, you're right. And he, well, he ran in fast as well. It was all like, you know, quick, quick. And yeah. it, it did take it did take you by surprise. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, he was he, he was one of the best that's been. I think. Oh, where's he? So, what are your your best memories of the game? Both. Well, this is two questions on the pitch. And indeed, off the pitch, I, 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 I can't, I can't, I, I can't believe there wasn't some fun to be had. But what, what's your, as a as a purely on the pitch memory? What, what what's your what's your greatest memory of your your career? Well, it's tricky because I think I had so many really good ones with Essex. They were they were you know I was I, I think I say in my book I was you know thank my lucky stars that I played for them. I think that that heading league test match would have been. You know because West Indies we hadn't beaten West Indies in England for about twenty three years at that stage. Not a single yeah. test. So, wow. so to beat them, to beat them was uh, you know, a big deal. And uh, what about uh, off the field? Maybe harder to harder to choose. Off the field, I think. No, I think that's that's quite easy, really. Um, uh, and, you know, Nagpur, two thousand six. You went to the guy. There was a sweating man who looked very confused. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the name dropping moment. Um, when uh, we played Worcestershire just after Ian both had joined them and uh, Eric Clapton was staying with him and it pissed down with the rain all of the Saturday so there was hardly any play. Eric cleaned up at cards um, which a few of the Essex boys were involved in and well, I don't know, one about 400 quid was in the pot and then uh, he said, I'll tell you what lads, I'll play for you in Beefy's pub if I can get, buy a certain amplifier in the local guitar shop because Beefy's got one of my guitars in his boot of his car, which he did have. Uh, and so we repaired to Beefy's local and he, he plugged in and played for us. Essex team, and, and not all of the Worcester team turned up. Actually, they were <laughs> too used to too used to these stars turning up. Why does he keep booking Clapton? Serenading them. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was on the set list? Um, he did a, a version of, of Layla, um, uh, Wonderful Tonight and all that stuff. And, and then I, I remember I'd just seen, um, it was probably a few years before that, Edge of Darkness. Do you remember that? That's, um, thriller with Bob Peck in it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and anyway, he did the music for that, and I said, uh, "Give us a few licks of that." And he started playing it. It's brilliant. <laughs> Just, you know, oh my head, word! Did it. Treating as a jukebox. That sounds extraordinary. And it was very, very friendly and, and very welcoming, and, and it was it was great. And then, and then word obviously got round, and the locals started piling in, and he pulled the plug. He said, "Sorry, I was just here to play for my friends. <laughs> Did get out too well." Sorry, you you have to have played first class cricket to uh, listen to me in this particular venue. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Mark, do you know about uh, Derek Pringle's film career? No. Oh, Derek Derek Pringle is in one of the uh, uh, most successful British movies of all Oscar time. Oscar winning movie. Oscar winning the British the British Academy. Uh, what kind of role uh, does he play? I play the an athlete, vice captain of athletics. This is in the film um, uh, Chariots of Fire. 
I think that it, is Stephen Fry in it as well as a kind of undergraduate that's an extra. He is indeed. He is indeed. As I always brag, I was on screen for longer than Stephen Fry. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my mate who were in it, uh, we, we never thought it would amount to much. So when it won an Oscar, we couldn't believe it. Before we get to Woody's uh, super over, uh, would you say that the uh, uh, England strip for the 92 World Cup uh, campaign, is that is that the best England one-day kit ever, Derek? I was told somewhere, I don't know if it's true, that it was Jimmy Ennis's favourite shirt, but I don't know if that's true. But, uh... No, I think it is the best one. We tried to replicate it a little bit in the 2019. That was sort of the to replicate the 92 one. Obviously not identical, but um, it was to replicate that and... Yeah, 92 one's the best. 92, that, I mean, that seemed glorious. That would be when New Zealand had only just stopped playing in sort of <laughs> their one-day strip as a kind of light brown, uh, you know, they looked like they went to a sort of slightly baffling prep school. Well, they, they, they had grey as, grey as well at one stage, I think. Grey and, and a sort of horrible tan brown, yeah. <laughs> Very distressing. Uh, Woody, is it time for Mark Wood's Super I over? think it is, I think it is. Can you be on the clock then, Miles? I can, I can Should very... Should we explain uh, yeah. it, Derek, what, what's going to happen? Uh, I think that would be polite. Derek, we're going to ask you a series of quick-fire questions. You have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Miles, it's going to be on the time for 90 seconds. Can you do this? Derek Pringle, yes or no? <laughs> yes. The, rule, the essential thing I always think is don't think, speak. Right. Sort of the, the, the opposite of life, really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> on your marks, get set, go. White spikes or coloured spikes? White spikes. Your favourite TV owl? Don't know any. Any celebrity contacts in your phone, or who is the best celebrity contact in your phone? Michael Atherton. Wow. Um, <coughs> uh, first cricket bat. HV Odd, Clapham. Favourite sandwich filling? S- sausage and mustard and tomato sauce. Turning pitch or green top? Green top. Heaviest item ever dropped on your foot? Uh, a 10 kilogram dumbbell. Have you ever been mistaken for a famous person or another cricketer? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Mike Gatting is coming for dinner. <laughs> what are you going to cook him? Roast cauliflower. <laughs> and you walk out the back, what are you going to ask the umpire for when taking guard? Two legs. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> what a barest of all margins. With, within the time now, Miles? Uh, you did. You had three seconds left over because... Derek did it as was asked of him. Oh, quick fire. I mean, the Atherton one's incorrect because I think Beefy would probably trump him and Beefy is in my phone as well. So, um... Oh, no, 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 no. Let's stick with Michael Atherton because yeah, well, Miles... Well, we, yeah, stick with it. Yeah, sure. Oh, and To answer it quickly, an A comes before B. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the bat name you said? H, HV Odd? I think it was HV Odd. My, well, I remember my dad, uh, used because I was brought up in Kenya, and uh, he was a very keen cricketer himself, and he, he played... Um, he, qualified to be a horticulturalist uh, at Kew Gardens. And, you know, he played for Kew, et cetera, and he swore by this guy who made bats in Clapham, and I'm pretty sure his name was H.V. Odd. I remember him coming and buying me a junior-sized bat from this guy. So I thought H.M. Odd or H.V. Odd. And uh, a very good sandwich choice there, sausage and mustard. That's very grown-up. And, and, some, and, and some, Yeah, because, and again, again, it's a throwback from a secondary school in Kenya that I went to, and the only thing you could get in a tuck shop was a hot dog. Not a sausage, unfortunately. The hot dogs are pretty horrible. But this woman, she used to say, plain, she's Polish, plain, mustard, tomato, or Mary. And Mary was a mixture of tomato and mustard. So that's where I'd go for it. But if I said sausage with Mary, you wouldn't have understood that. <laughs> <laughs> 
we'd have we'd have all sorts of images would have <laughs> would have flashed would have flashed in our minds. Uh, and what in terms of uh, uh, imagery, what what would be the likely result of feeding a, a roast cauliflower to to Mike Gatting? What would be the what would be the immediate social and biological fallout? Yeah, good question. I, I mean, Gat likes trough, but you know, I've got a couple of roast cauliflower dishes that are delicious, so I think he'd, he'd go for it. Um, well, Derek, it's uh, an absolute pleasure to have you on Middle Please Umpire. You have uh, well, you already had legendary status in my uh, <laughs> calling to, to me, a, but... calling someone a. Um, thanks so much for coming on Derek Pringle thank you Derek Pringle uh, there Derek Pringle is one of uh, quite a few people we've had on this series who I I, I feel genuinely sort of starstruck by because it's that when I got into cricket which was which was 91 you know he would have been one of the, the those people when I first started watching cricket and listening to cricket you know was one of those figures that you know that Following England in that ninety-one-two World Cup, uh, you know, was just extraordinary. I remember being so heartbroken by the uh, uh, us, know, us I still, losing. I still feel game. like they should have won that ninety-two World Cup, shouldn't they? I don't know. Obviously, they came across a team that played well, but I still feel like we should have won that one. Ninety-two, great outfit. You were born. We had the best clothing, didn't we? I've watched it back. I was only I was born in nineteen ninety, but I've seen the the games and the clips. It's it's mad. It was see, fantastic. Um, Fair brother and stuff then and. You know, he looked ahead of his time and as a one-day cricketer. You know, I thought we had a good, a good side. That was the team that, you know, the, the first England team that that existed for me. So, so to be to be on the end of a Zoom call with uh, with Derek Pringle is uh, is frank, frankly glorious. How about when he said about when he was talking about Joe Garner being only he was six foot eight? Oh, he's massive, six foot eight, and he's only six foot five. Only six foot. Yeah, I think. No, you did look a bit chastened by the very thought of that. Uh, I must say. So that is it for this episode of Middle Please Umpire. Our guest, uh, to whom we are very grateful, was the uh, the great Derek Pringle. Um, thank you very much from me. Goodbye. And goodbye from me, Mark Wood. Oh, should be taken and is taken. Brilliant from Mark Wood. What a spell this has been. Every day, William Hill has advanced odds on cricket matches. That includes flash odds ahead of the big games, plus hashtag your odds and much more. Stake limits apply. Odds may fluctuate. Visit williamhill.com 18 plus. Please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.